Well, good morning. Man, I'm glad to be back here. And uh, let me start off with just a Jewish greeting of Shalom. So thank you. Uh, that's a little bit tough for Southerners to say, uh, but I, I'm glad that we're here, glad that we're back, and uh, thankful for my dad and the preaching that he did last week. I know he was an encouragement to you also. Uh, but this is Family First uh, Sunday, so if you look around, our kids are in here. And so if you can find a kid, just give them a high five and tell them that you're happy that they're here. Good. Okay, good. Uh, we're glad that they're in here. The reason that we do this, the reason that this is important to us is that uh, one of the, the, the things that we understand is as kids get older, because they're in children's ministry and youth ministry, sometimes they don't feel a part of the church. And so this is their opportunity to sit with you and to worship and to see you worship and to get connected with their pastor and know me and all those things like that. And so we are truly excited that you guys are in here. And so let me start off with this. Uh, we're in a new series uh, called The Road to East. And in this series, we're going to look at some of the events that took place uh, where Jesus uh, walked to the, into the city, to the cross, and ultimately rose again. And so uh, I'm a little bit fired up uh, because I've actually seen these places uh, here in the past week and seen some of these things. Uh, but let me start it this way. Who do you follow? Now, just think about it. On social media, who do you follow? Who is it that you follow on a regular basis? Who are the people that you listen to? What news source? Uh, it was funny for me, a couple of years ago, I set up an Instagram account. Uh, Hugo, who was working on staff, said, Pastor, you need an Instagram account. And I said, okay, let's set one up. And he said, well, who do you want to follow? And I said, well, what does that mean? I said, I don't really follow people. And he goes, no, like, who do you want to be connected with? And I was like, well, everybody says I look like The Rock. So, um... <laughs> One of the things that's interesting is if you look at my Instagram account, I follow all of the rock stuff. Hugo set it up. I don't know how to unfollow. Um, I don't know how to do that, but that's who I follow. And you think about this, and in your Instagram or social media or whatever it is that you follow, uh, and so I wanted to connect with kids, students, and adults on kind of who they follow. Uh, the most followed creator is a Filipino social media personality that has 13.9 million followers on Instagram, 14.5 million followers on YouTube, and 30.6 million followers on TikTok. And the little girl's name is Nina Guerrero. Now, has anybody heard of Nina Guerrero? She's 15 years old, and she is uh, an incredible, uh, with her dance moves and all these different things like that. Uh, one that's a little bit more local that I actually have heard this name mentioned from my kids following their parents, uh, but Everly Rose Sautas. And so here's a video of a 10-year-old. Big pool of glue. It's so 
Now, how many of you are like me and think you can't get that time back? But 4.5 million people follow a 10-year-old. 4.5 million people will sit and watch this video last about 10 minutes. And they follow this. And so we understand that people are following other people. And so in the student world, this is kind of broke down and the math doesn't always make sense. Uh, but maybe this is common core math and I just don't understand. But 38% of music, uh, gaming, and celebrities is how this is broken down. And so the music section, uh, Justin Bieber comes in at the top at 113.9 million followers. Katy Perry right behind with 108.9 million followers followers. And then gaming. Uh, I didn't even know that you followed people that play the game. I thought we actually played the games ourselves, uh, but it's kind of confusing for me. Uh, but this guy is followed by 111 million people. Pie. I, those that laughed, knew exactly who that was. I don't. I looked him up to make sure I wasn't giving a wrong reference. 31% of celebrity, fo celebrity follow, that, that follow celebrities follow Christian, Cristiano Ronaldo. Now, soccer, 567 million followers. Out of the country's leadership, these are some of the people that are followed on a regular basis. The individual leader with the most followers on Twitter is the Prime Minister of India, Narendra Modi. Now, the second is about half of this with Joe Biden with 55 million. Right behind this is Pope Francis that has 53 million followers. Now, in a world where people follow, in a world where people follow all kinds of crazy different things, who do you follow? We go, well, Jeff, Jesus doesn't have an Insta account. And I would tell you, he doesn't, but he has this. To understand what it means to truly follow him and what it means to truly live for him. And so this morning, I want you to think about who do you follow? Who do you spend the majority of your time seeking to emulate, seeking to be after, seeking to know about? Listen, the reality is that Christians less and less follow Jesus Christ every year. They push it to the side and they follow something else. And listen, sometimes it's easier to watch a little girl like Everly talk about slime than it is for us to understand who Jesus is. I tell you this morning, Joshua dealt with this in the exact same time period. Moses, after he had passed away, had people that began to question his leadership. And he began to lead in a powerful way. And he gets to the halfway point of what his life would look like. And he's still dealing with people that are following other gods. This is nothing new for us as a generation to struggle to follow Christ. It's crazy how easily that we get distracted from genuinely following Christ. And so this morning, Joshua kind of charges the people the same way that I want to charge you. He says now for, in, in chapter 24 and verse 14, he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. 
Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you dwell, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Listen, this needs to be our anthem, but for some reason we get so distracted with all of the other events, all of the other people that we can follow, that we quickly gravitate towards them rather than Christ. So I want you to see the triumphal entry this morning in Mark chapter 11 and verses 1 through 11. Jesus' road to the cross, to the crucifixion, to being killed upon a cross and rising three days later starts with this event. I love the understanding and the imagery that comes with this because this actually starts on the Mount of Olives, a place that I actually got to see from a far off distance. But the fun and the interesting and the great fact is that this same place that he entered into Jerusalem is the same place that he ascended into heaven after it was all over. I think as we understand this triumphal entry in these 11 verses and all of the events that take place, there's some key understandings of what it means to genuinely follow Christ. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 1, he says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, catch that. This place is still in existence. It still sets outside of the city of Jerusalem. We actually saw this on our trip. Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and I will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they said to them what Jesus has said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. Those who went before him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple. And when when they had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So there's a couple of things that I want you to understand that Jesus was doing with this. If we're going to follow Jesus, there's some things that we need to know and we need to understand. The first is this. Jesus has a very clear plan. In verse 2, he lays it out that Jesus laid out to them. He said, hey, when you go in, I want you to find a colt, a baby donkey. He was very specific in his directions and his instructions. He didn't leave them to try to figure it out on their own. Catch that. 
Because most of the people that we're following today are looking at you and going, you figure it out. Figure it out on your own and you'll be okay. Jesus says, I have given you a clear path, a clear plan, and a clear way to do this. A loving God does not leave you to figure it out on your own. The other thing that comes with a leader, somebody that we should follow, is a powerful name. In verse 3, he lays this out and he says, When somebody asks you about who is taking this cult, tell them, the Lord told me to do it. Now, I put this in the right perspective. In my household, when my mom said this, wait till your dad gets home. I would go, "Uh uh-oh. He spanks a whole lot harder than mom does. I think about it in this perspective that his name had power. I beg you to try this this afternoon. Grab somebody's keys and take their car and roll down the window and say, the Lord told me to take it. (laughs) Please don't. That's a joke. There's power with this name. There's so much power that the people questioned them taking the cult said, oh, if the Lord wants it, take it. The other part of leadership, the other part of a leader that we should be able to follow is somebody that can pull it off. Listen, we look to so many people that can't fulfill anything. And Jesus puts it all into perspective. It happens exactly as he's laid it out to be. He was able to do it exactly as he said it was going to happen. But then if we're going to follow somebody, there needs to be this proper response. It's interesting to me that up to this point, Jesus had tons of people that would follow him. He would sit on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and have to push back into a boat because so many people wanted to get close to him. We understand this from the perspective that even when he was walking, somebody just wanted to touch the hem of his garment because they knew that they would be healed. You think about the dedication of these followers that were following Jesus in every place that he would go, just hoping to get one more nugget of truth. He finally come to this place and they begin to worship Hosanna to the king. Hallelujah. This is our king. He is riding into the city of Jerusalem. He is going to overtake it and we are going to see him. But here's where they missed. We're going to see him as our earthly king. Everything's going to get better. Everything's getting ready to change. Everything's getting ready to go so much better. And they began to worship him. Hosanna, this term actually refers to a cry expressing an appeal for divine help. Imagine this, Hosanna to the king. Hosanna to the king. Help us, Lord. Help us get through this. Help us be restored. But as I was reading this, there's one thing that I missed from this passage of Scripture. 
It's the obedience that Jesus has for his heavenly father. One of the key elements to somebody that we should follow is their obedience to the Lord. And as I was studying this, I was looking back and forth, and I, I can imagine that some parents were standing there with their kids, much like this Sunday morning would look. Have you ever had one of those kids that asks the wrong question at the wrong time in front of the wrong people? I remember when Melissa was pregnant with Carly, me and Caroline were in a Home Depot, and I was explaining that mommy was going to have a baby and we're walking up and down the aisles. Two ladies standing next to us, Caroline says, does that lady have a baby in her tummy? Oh my. There's very few times when Jeff Hubbard is speechless. But in this phrase, I was just explaining to her that her mom was pregnant. And she goes, oh, we were just talking. I think she's pregnant too. And I was like, praise God. <laughs> Go check out. But I can imagine in this moment, a kid holding the hand of his father and asking and saying, why is Jesus why is this person that they're worshiping coming in on a baby donkey, on a colt? I can imagine the father's response, looking at his child and saying, son, you have to understand what the prophet Zechariah said in chapter 9 and verse 9. Where the prophet hundreds of years before this ever even unfolds, says these words, which everybody in the Jewish faith, everybody in the Jewish custom would have been mandated to read Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly. Can you imagine another set of rejoicing? They're crying out, Hallelujah. They're crying out, Hosanna. They're laying down their stuff in the streets so that Jesus, that he enters in on this cult, would be worshipped. O daughter of Zion, shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey. Not even a donkey, but on a colt. The foal of a donkey. Imagine for some, the very first time that they were seeing Jesus enter into this place on a colt, began to recall the prophet Zechariah's words. What should we expect from a king? Obedience to the Lord. Think about this. As he was willing to be obedient as he was willing to submit to his father, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he says, let this cup pass from me. But we see the struggle that we're in in many ways because we have an opportunity to obey similar to the same opportunity that Judas had. 
In John chapter 14 and verse 22, Judas uh, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? This conversation was taking place with Jesus and his disciples, and he was telling them about the Holy Spirit that would come and would comfort them and would help them. And Jesus answered him and he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Listen, this is obedience and my father will love him. He's telling Judas, the one that would betray him, the one that would turn against him, the one that would give him over for 30 shekels of silver, what it means to be obedient. And I think some of you may be in this exact same spot where God is telling you, follow me. Be obedient, follow me, be obedient, follow me. And he's giving you this clear path, this clear understanding. And our response is similar to this. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, does not keep my words as disobedient And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. It's amazing that Judas' questions is, can we trust you? Can we truly follow you? Will you be able to get us through this? And ultimately, we know that Judas betrayed Jesus and the events that unfolded after that. Key understanding. This passage makes it very clear. Whoever does not love the Lord does not keep his words. Those who truly love the Lord are obedient to Christ. Listen, our response, we can be a lot like Judas in this scenario. We can look and say, well, God, I obey you in a few areas. That's not what obedience is. I think we're like a child sometimes where the, the, if you come to your kid and you have an analytical kid and you ask him and say, why didn't you take the trash out? Say, you didn't tell me to take the trash out. You told me to clean the house. Go, man, we try to twist this over and over and over. And ultimately, Judas would betray Jesus. He would be told at the Passover feast that he would be the one that would betray. He would rush out of the room. So I ask you this morning, what do you expect from our king? What is it that you expect? Because we have a king. His name is Jesus, and we are to be in submission to him. So you may have heard this video. But I want you to understand the king that we worship. It's a great pastor from San Diego, California that pastored up until his 80s. And his speaking style was a little bit different. And so there have been so many remakes of what this is. And this morning I wanted to share with you an understanding of who our king is based on this pastor. The Bible says my king is the king of the He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? 
My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-trained of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. That's our king. That's who we serve. That's who we worship. Listen, the demand is obedience to him. This is what's laid out for us, that we should obey him. He demands our obedience. For some reason, we spend so much time looking for somebody else to follow. When the reality is, his words, his truth are in front of us every day. It is so easy to follow him. We don't realize this thing that's working against us to distract us, to keep us from knowing him. From knowing the power that he has in our lives. In this room alone, he has changed 
heart after heart after heart. He has repaired marriage after marriage after marriage. He has corrected wayward kids. He has done so much for all of us. And yet we only give him a small portion of our life. He demands the whole. He gives us this understanding. I think it's crazy that our world has shifted to say that if you know just a little bit of Jesus, you'll be okay. I can tell you nobody that has ever come in contact with Christ and understood who he was wanted a small amount. They wanted to know him. They wanted to know how he lived. They wanted to begin to change their life to conform to what he looked like. I tell you, listen, we are playing with so many little gods that don't matter. The only thing that matters is Jesus and knowing him. I love that he's given us this model for obedience. And listen to me, kids. God in his graciousness has given you parents Parents that are supposed to love the Lord and live for Christ and be this example of what it should be to truly live for Christ. Do you know what your responsibility as kids is? To obey your parents. You say, Pastor Jeff, that's not fair. You don't know my parents. I do. And I know that it's tough, but this is the first understanding of what it means to be in submission. If you cannot submit to your parents, you will have a very difficult time submitting to the Lord. God in his graciousness gives us this this understanding of what comes with this. Listen, parents, your responsibility is to teach obedience to your kids. The world around you is telling you that your kids are equal with you, and that is false. Kids are in subjection to us. We lead our kids, not kids leading their parents. We are to teach them what it means to obey leadership. Look, some of the toughest lessons to teach are to submit to a teacher. You say, Jeff, you don't understand the teachers that I've had. Listen, I promise you, I probably had them. Our kids are becoming less and less submissive because parents want to be friends with their kids. Can I tell you, as a 45-year-old man, I don't want 15-year-old friends. I don't want 13-year-old friends. I love my kids, but I'm not their friend. I'm their father. Just as God puts over us, we as parents have to teach this. Adults, let me key in on you for just a second. When you don't obey the Lord and you don't submit to the Lord, your kids see it. The reason that this generation is further from Christ and further from Christ and further from Christ is because we've had a couple of generations of parents that will not submit to the Lord. 
They'll go to church sporadically. They'll go to church and be in attendance once every couple of months or, or put the church and put their relationship with Christ not on display for the kids to see. I tell you, it is having a monumental effect on our kids and our society that's following behind us. Please obey the Lord. This example needs to be said in our families. Husbands, spend time knowing how to be obedient to the Lord. Look, in this generation, it is dying for godly leadership in a home. Look, I'm raising two daughters that I am praying that God would put some young man that knows how to love the Lord in their lives. Wives, voluntarily submit to your husband's godly leadership. Listen, in a world that tells you that you don't have to submit to anybody, the Bible tells us quite the opposite, that we should submit to the Lord. Look, Adam and Eve was put in place, and the reason that sin entered into this, and Scripture lays it out that every, every wife would try to continually usurp the authority of their husband. And I tell you, men, in a generation where they're, they're, they're pulling back and not doing anything, you need to be spiritually strong so that you can lead your wife and lead your, ki- your children. Why does all this matter? Why is this a part of the triumphal entry? Why is this something that we're talking about on Palm Sunday? Here's the harsh reality. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 through 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this, this key understanding. But the one who does the will of my father, catch this, the one that is obedient to my father, the one that will submit, the one that will follow Christ. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers of lawlessness. What you say has to be backed up with what you genuinely believe in your heart. He keys in on this fact, this understanding of the one who does the will of the Father. Let me close with this thought. The expectation of knowing Jesus as our king is the willingness to be obedient to him as our king. So I ask you this morning, what do you expect from our king? What is it that you expect because he has fulfilled everything that he said he would? He has done it. But I think the scarier part for us 
is how much more we may be like Judas than Jesus. So I ask you this morning, as we prepare to enter into the Holy Week, there are so many events that take place in this week. All of the things that would fulfill Christ's prophecy so that nobody would be able to doubt that he was the Christ. But it starts with submission. Maybe you've been a part of this church for a long time or maybe you've been a part of it for a short time. This morning, for the first time, the Holy Spirit is beginning to draw you to him. This understanding that the Lord is beginning to work and saying, you need to submit to me. Become my follower. I'll tell you, in just a few minutes, there's going to be a, uh, an invitation where the worship team sings. Listen, no greater time than to submit to the Lord than this morning at Pooler Bible Church. For some, you may be in this position where you've kind of drifted away from the Lord. Maybe some of these little gods, these little followings have kind of interfered with you trusting and truly following the Lord. I would tell you this morning, put them away. I love the passion that this guy preaches with. <laughs> he says, that's my king. I wonder, do you know him today? you're struggling with submission, struggling with being obedient to the Lord, listen, it needs to stop now. Got to begin to trust the Lord. Kids, if you're struggling with being obedient to your parents, stop. Nothing pleases and honors the Lord more than you listening and obeying what they have led you to do. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. It's interesting that a message on submission is a foreign thing in our culture right now. But to realize in Mark chapter 11, Jesus' whole reason for getting a, a, a colt, a baby donkey, was so that he could be obedient to his heavenly father. So I ask you this morning, are you submitting to the Lord? Are you being obedient to him? Is this just a, a, an idea, a thought process, or does this really resonate in your heart? When it comes to the events of the cross and what Jesus Christ has done for us, he's put it on display for you to know and understand that he is a worthy king. He is a God that speaks, a God that reveals himself to us through his scriptures. He's somebody that is always with you. He never leaves you alone. Please submit to him. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're getting ready to go through. But I know that in this moment when Jesus was walking into a place where he was being worshipped, he wasn't enjoying the worship, he knew that all of these people would turn on him in just a few short days. No 
matter what you're facing, Jesus has faced it. You can trust him. In a world where nobody around you can truly be trusted, Jesus can be trusted. Every word that he has said, he has fulfilled. I wonder, do you know him today? If not, tell you, it's time to submit. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But the result of this is a life that has changed that now you submit to the Lord and what he wants you to do rather than what you want to do. And it's tough. It's not an easy process. But it's on display in this room through people that are all around you that are living that life. Submit to him this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you. Lord, seeking for submission in my own heart and in my own life. Father, let me not worship any other God except you. Lord, let me fill my time with following you, with knowing what you did. Lord, as fascinating as everything is around me, Lord, that stuff doesn't matter. Father, I pray that you would be with the kids that may be struggling with submitting and obeying their parents. Father, I pray that you would be with the students that are in this room that may be following celebrities and culture and musicians and gamers more than you. Father, I plead with you in adults' lives that they would submit to you. Father, be glorified in our lives this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen. If you would stand with us, our worship team is going to sing an offer, sing a, a song of invitation. Listen, I, I tell you this, if the Lord's moving in your heart this morning, man, spend some time praying right here at this altar that God would allow you to submit to Him.